About five years ago, I drove across the country, starting from Delaware, with my two little sisters, Sophia and Chloe. At the time, they were 13 and 11, so I was the only one who was driving. I was the adult of the crew, and we had a great time. I had planned the trip so that we would have this special time together, just the three of us, make lots of memories. I've been wanting to travel and see more of the country. Now, my youngest sister, Chloe, she has muscular dystrophy. So at the time, it was actually perfectly timed. She would use what's called a transport chair where she could go longer distances, but she was still able to stand and walk at least a little bit so that we were able to do a lot of the fun and exciting things that that you think of when you think of driving across the country. In particular, I remember these times when Sophia and I needed to push Chloe up really long ramps so that all three of us could get to the top of something so that we could get a really good view or just do whatever it was that we expected to. And the first time that we pushed Chloe up a really long ramp was in St. Louis. We were across the Mississippi River getting to see a really great view of the Gateway Arch, that iconic landmark in St. Louis. And it was a long trip up that ramp. And Sophia and I kind of worked it out where every time the ramp turned, we would switch. So I would push Chloe up one part of the ramp. And then when it turned, Sophia would push her up the rest of the part. And then it would turn and I would push her up. And when we were going up that ramp so that we could get a good view of the arch, Sophia would run with Chloe. I'll post a picture if I can find it, but Sophia would run up that portion of the ramp and I would be walking behind them and Chloe would put her arms out and she thought it was so much fun. Well, that was like day two of our road trip across the country. Fast forward maybe closer to a week. We were in Las Vegas, and it just so happened that the day that we were in Las Vegas was during an enormous heat wave, so it was like 110 degrees Fahrenheit at least. We spent the morning in Las Vegas, we walked around, we saw some of the hotels, but around noon, Las Vegas starts to become a little bit more of a party city. So at that time, I took my sisters out to see the Hoover Dam. Our family is really into engineering. I'd heard a lot about the Hoover Dam. I was really excited. We weren't going to go on the tour. We were really just going to see it. And so Sophia and I, we did the same exact thing that we had done in St. Louis, where I would push Chloe up part of the ramp. And then when it turned, Sophia would push her up and then it would turn and then I would push her up. Except this time it was 110 degrees and we were literally in the middle of the desert at like two o'clock in the afternoon. So it was pretty hot. Finally, we get to the top. Sophia and I are out of breath and Chloe, who's in the wheelchair, looks at us and says, I'm hot. Can we go back to the car? Sophia and I looked at each other and we're like, no, we're hot. We, we just pushed you up like a mountain so that we could see the Hoover Dam. We are not going back to the car until we see this. And so we went and, and we looked at the dam and I was really excited. Sophia, who was 13 at the time, tried to seem like she was impressed. Chloe, who was 11, was just begging for us to take her back to the car. That was about at a week. At about a week and a half, we found ourselves at the Grand Canyon. At that point, we had been to California. We had seen San Francisco. It had been absolutely beautiful. And we were starting to make our return journey. At the Grand Canyon, we would drive along the canyon and get out at different sites. 
at the very first point where we stopped, we got out and I said, wow, Sophia, Chloe, do you see how beautiful this is? I was just so taken in by the beauty of the Grand Canyon and how massive it was and how long it would have taken for that canyon to form. And as I was marveling at the beauty, Sophia said, wait, this kind of looks like what we saw in Colorado. And I looked at her and I said, wait, you don't think that the Grand Canyon is amazing? She said, no, we've, we've kind of seen it before. And as I drove along the rest of the, of the rim of the canyon, my sisters refused to get out of the car because they just didn't find it amazing. They were like, we've already seen it. Why do we need to get out of the car? And this is what I thought about when I was planning for this week's episode. Because as Christians, we talk a lot about grace. We talk about it as this amazing thing, this thing we want to receive, we pray for it, but we don't talk a whole lot about what it actually is. And grace, it's all of these amazing things that God opens up to us. We don't have to do anything to receive it. We just have to allow him to give it to us. But sometimes we don't want it. Sometimes we see the beautiful grace that God desires to give us and we say, wait, I just want to be back in the air conditioning of the car. I'm Cecilia Ciccone, and Jesus loves you, this I know, because he gives you his life. Last month, I was sending out podcast stickers. Maybe you received one or a couple of them. And when I was writing out the letters, I was open to what people had said to me when they had sent me their address or things that I knew about the person who I was sending it for. But I kind of had this basic message that I sent with each of the stickers. It said something to the effect of, I hope you know that you are infinitely loved by our God who finds you worth dying for. And that's true, right? That's what we see when we look at the cross. And when we hear God gives you his life, the most obvious association is that God gives up his life for us. And that's true and that's beautiful. And I I spoke a little bit about that in the episode on Jesus. And I'm sure as we move further into Lent later this year, we'll talk more about it. But that's not what I'm talking about today. Today, I'm not talking about God dying for us, although it's connected. I love talking about this reality that we know that God loves us because he finds us worth dying for, because it's true, it's beautiful, but really it's dramatic. And I have this flair for the dramatic. It's, It's just really great to say yes you know, all these people in our lives, they say that they would die for us if they needed to, but God actually did. That's why we keep the crucifix in our houses and not just the empty cross. The empty cross, which is a reminder of the resurrection, which is a beautiful reminder of the power of God, of what comes after the cross. But we keep the crucifix because that is the sign of God's love for us. But that's not what we're talking about today. Yes, Jesus is willing to give up his life, But he can give up his life, and that doesn't really mean anything for us, right? That was 2,000 years ago. What does that mean? No, in order for Jesus giving up his life to mean something for us, there has to be something that immediately affects us right now. Otherwise, it's just symbolic, the fact that God died for us. No, Jesus's love is not symbolic. Him laying down his life is not symbolic. It is real, and it is happening right now. In this moment, Jesus is pouring out his life so that you can receive it in the very core of your being. That's grace. I use the term all the time. I say, it's such a grace. I pray for God's grace for each of us. I say, wow, I am in need of such grace. That's what I'm talking about, is this free gift of God's 
own life. We experience in our hearts and our lives what we would call a poverty, a lack. We realize that alone we are not enough. But God gives us this gift of grace through Jesus to fill us. In the last episode, we were talking about waiting. And as I had prayed with waiting and really reflected on what this means for us, I talked about how Jesus is not just waiting by our side. He's not just a companion, but he is actually sharing in our waiting. Just as we are waiting, Jesus is waiting in us. That we are moving together. I'm Italian, so I always speak with my hands. And I'm moving my hands together as I talk about this. That Jesus is waiting on one hand. We are waiting on the other hand. And we are moving together in our waiting so that we are one. That's what grace is. That we are lacking. We are desiring more life, more patience, more strength. And Jesus has that life, that patience, and that strength. And we are moving together as we become one. That Jesus is sharing in our difficulties with us so that we can share in his strength. And today's scripture I'm going to have a little bit earlier in the episode than I normally do. It's from the Gospel of St. Matthew. It says, Then someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these. What do I still need to do? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For humans it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this scripture passage, the rich man wants to know what it is that he can do to get into heaven. And he says that he's followed all the commandments. He has done everything that he is supposed to do. What Jesus reveals is that, in fact, he needs God. He cannot get to heaven just on his own merit by doing the right things himself. No, he needs to be empty in order to receive God's gift. And this makes him sad. He goes away sad because he wants to do it himself. He doesn't want to have to let go of any of that control, any of that power. But that's exactly what Jesus says that he has to do to inherit the kingdom of heaven. When I think about the rich young man, I think about myself, not because I'm rich, but because I also struggle with this reality that I have to give up my own control in order to be emptied, to receive God's own life into my heart, into the very core of my being. I relate to the rich young man because I imagine that when he went to Jesus, what he really wanted to hear was, you're doing 
all of the right things just keep going. That's what I want to hear too. And a lot of times when I exclaim something related to grace, I say, oh, wow, that was such a grace, or it must be grace that made this thing so successful. I'm really saying that whatever I'm talking about made me feel good, or it went exactly as I wanted them to. When I'm excited and I talk about grace, a lot of times what I'm really saying is my plan lined right up with God's. And that's not exactly what it is, because grace is not a good feeling. In the moment, as easy as it is for me to exclaim, that was such a grace when something good happens, when I look back, really the times when I've received the greatest amount of grace from God, the greatest amount of that free gift of his life, which he is constantly pouring out, the times when I have been most open to receiving it are actually times of immense darkness and pain. It's those times in my life where I've gotten to this place where I'm crying, I feel alone, and I say, this is literally impossible. I cannot do this. And quite frankly, at those points, the reason why it feels impossible is because for me, it is. And I remember this quote that we just heard from the Gospel of Matthew. How is this possible? It's not possible to get a camel through the eye of a needle. It just can't be. It's not possible for me alone to travel this path of healing. That's when we remember Jesus's words. For humans, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. And it's possible not because he just takes care of things. He wipes it clean. He makes sure everything's okay so that we can go on living our lives. No, it's possible because he lives it in us. That's grace. I'm a really big fan of 12-step programs like AA or Al-Anon or NA. Oftentimes, the first three steps of these 12-step programs are summarized as, I can't, God can, I think I'll let him. For these people who are struggling from really life-altering addictions at that rock-bottom point that we hear about so often, the solution is admitting that they can't, realizing that God can, it's not hopeless, and making that internal decision, I think I'll let God do it. Because remember, God doesn't just take care of things from the outside. He gives us his life. He asks us to cooperate with him so that we can do it together. Now, this gift of God's grace, this free gift that he gives us, that he pours out for us, that is the gift of his life, there are two points that might seem contradictory, but are actually complementary, that really reveal the reality and the beauty of the gift of grace. The first is that it is a free gift from God. We do absolutely nothing to merit or deserve grace. Grace is not something that God gives us because we did the right things. No, He gives it only to us because he loves us. Have you heard that phrase, like a face that only a mother could love? It's a face that objectively maybe isn't super beautiful, but that a mother finds to be the most amazing. She sees something there that no one else does. That's how God looks at us. He sees us and he sees someone who is worthy of receiving his very life, of receiving what is all good, all loving, all beautiful. It's not because we deserve it or he owes it to us. No, he gives it to us because he is our father who loves us. That's the only reason. The second point is that grace does nothing unless we cooperate with it. 
unless we cooperate with this free gift that God is offering us. A lot of times there's this discussion of, are we saved only by grace or is it grace and works? The answer is yes, we are saved only by grace. Grace is the only thing that saves us. It is all God. We are not saved on our own merit. But it's a both and because if we did not accept the grace of God, which is in fact an active role, we have to actively work to be open to receiving this grace that God offers us. If we don't actively work to open our hearts, to empty ourselves, to accept it, like the rich young man in the gospel that we heard, if we don't get rid of those things that are blocking God's grace, his grace does nothing. We have to cooperate with it. We have to accept it. So we're not saved by works. It's not that we are earning salvation. We cannot earn salvation. But we do have to do things to empty ourselves of that selfishness, which is blocking the work of God's grace. So how we do that, that's through things like prayer. That's through things like loving other people, selflessly giving of ourselves. That's how we free up that space in our heart and in our lives to receive God's grace. It's kind of like when I took my sisters across the country. I took them to all of these really neat places. They didn't have to do anything to get there. They really just had to sit in the car. I was the one who was driving the whole time. Two weeks. They just had to sit there. But I couldn't make them like the places that we saw. And for me, it was frustrating because I was trying really hard. We got to the rim of the Grand Canyon and I said, guys, do you see what we're looking at? And because I loved them, I wanted them to be able to receive it. But they weren't. They were at a place in their lives when they weren't open to seeing the beauty. They didn't understand how amazing what we were seeing really was. And if I took my sisters across the country and showed them beautiful sights because I love them, how much more is God constantly pouring his life out for us? Is he constantly bringing us to places where we can see his goodness, his truth, and his beauty without us doing anything? This grace, this gift of his life, is not just a good feeling. God brings us to these places so that he can pour out his life into us and make us more like him. The question is, as he pours out that life, are we going to receive it? Are we going to say, yes, God, I will get rid of everything else in my heart, my ideas, my expectations of what things should be like, so that I can only receive your love and your grace? Or are we going to hold on to our own ideas of things? Are we going to want to do it ourselves? Jesus gives us his life so that our life will become like his. I think about someone who once said to me, whatever it is that you're experiencing, because Jesus lives in you, he's allowing you to experience it because he wants to experience that right now in you. You just need to let him experience it. And it's hard because when we think of God, we think only of good things. That's why when I talk about grace, it's usually about when things go my way or when things seem really objectively good. But in reality, God wants to live everything in us. He wants to give us his grace, his love, his strength, especially in those darkest or even the most boring points in our lives. So an example is if you're sitting in traffic, that's because Jesus wants to sit in traffic right now. He wants to experience that. If you're cooking dinner, it's because Jesus wants to cook dinner in you. 
If you are being annoyed by a coworker or by one of your children, it's because Jesus wants to love that person right now in you. If you're experiencing an illness, Jesus wants to experience what it means to live that illness in you. And the reason why he wants all of this is so that he can redeem it by living in us. Everything that is painful or difficult, God wants to transform by the gift of his grace, by the gift of his very life. In each of these moments, he is loving us. He is offering us his life. And there is literally no reason why God would give us his life and the gift of his grace, except for the reality that he loves us. In those most difficult moments, that is what is so edifying to remember, is that the very reason that you are going through this thing that seems impossible is because God loves you so much that he wants to live that painful thing in you. He does not shy away. He comes to give his gift of grace the gift of his very life, wherever it is that you find yourself. Now, one of the reasons why I think grace is so difficult is because it's kind of this amorphous idea. It's not something concrete, except that it does become concrete in the gift of the sacraments. God is not in any way limited to the gift of the sacraments, but these are concrete ways where God has said, let me show you how much I love you in your baptism. In your baptism, I will give you the gift of my life so that I will live in you because you are my beloved child. In confession, he says, let me tell you the words, you are forgiven so that you will receive the gift of my life and be reconciled to me. In the gift of the Eucharist, he says, this is my body given up for you. This is my very life, my physical being, God says, receive it. These are concrete ways that God gives us the gift of his life. But they're not the only places and not by a long shot. At the end of every episode, I say, Jesus loves you, this I know, because of everything. And that comes from St. Therese, who said, everything is grace. As I was driving home this afternoon, getting ready to record this podcast, it was just the light on the road was gorgeous. I was like, yes, everything is grace. In every moment, Jesus is pouring out that gift of his life. Because love does not stay within oneself. When you love someone else, it just pours itself out in every possible way. That's what Jesus does. He loves us so, so much. And he's constantly offering us a share in his abundant life. We've already had a scripture for this week, so we're going to jump ahead to the saint of the week. And the saint of this week is Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. And he is from Turin in Italy. He lived in the first half of the 20th century. Blessed Pierre Giorgio was a pretty normal young man by all accounts. He came from a very wealthy family. His parents had a difficult marriage. And he loved Jesus. He loved sharing the love of God. Often on his way home from school, he would spend his allowance buying food or medicine for the poor, for the people that he passed on his way home from school. When he was graduating from high school, his parents offered to buy him a car or to give him money. And he said he wanted the money. His parents figured that that was so that he could throw a party with his friends. But no, he wanted the money so that he could support his friends, the poor that he had connected with. 
As I said, he was a very normal young man. He liked to smoke a pipe. He liked to go skiing and and hiking. He really wanted to serve God. That was what gave him purpose. He considered becoming a priest, but he knew that there were lots of priests in Italy at that time. Instead, he thought about the miners who were working, who had no one to minister to them, that they were working on Sundays and there was no one to remind them that God loved them. So he decided to study engineering so that he could work in the mines and he could remind these people of God's love. Eventually, Pier Giorgio Frassati got extremely sick and he died when he was in his 20s. His parents this whole time had no idea that he was serving the poor until at his funeral, pretty much all of Turin showed up, including the sick and the poor, for this young man. And they said, we loved your son. He was the one who was our friend. Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati knew the gift of God's grace. And he knew that in order to be open to that gift of grace, to be open to that free gift of God's love, he had to empty himself of everything else. It didn't mean giving up what he loved. It didn't mean giving up the sense of adventure, but it meant allowing God to transform it so that his very life was God's. Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, pray for us. For this week's Love Tap, I have been working on a few writing projects and they've been a lot of fun, but I live in a pretty small apartment and so it feels kind of closed in. It's hard to get a lot of inspiration when I'm in here. But I found a local craft brewery where I really like writing. They have fantastic beer. It's a great atmosphere. And when I'm there, it sounds weird, but I really know that God loves me. I'm really aware that God has put me on this earth for a purpose, to share his love with others. And so that craft beer is one way that I know this week that God loves me. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for constantly offering us the gift of your life and your love. In each moment, we pray that we will be open to receiving this gift, that we will look at everything that is around us and see it as a reminder that we are infinitely, deeply, and personally loved by you. Lord, we pray especially for those people including ourselves, who may be experiencing darkness or despair, and we ask that you will reveal this gift of your life to them, that your light may shine where there is darkness, may bring peace where there is suffering. Lord, we ask you to speak to us, for we are listening. We ask you to help us to empty our hearts and our lives of everything that is an obstacle to receiving your gift of grace. And we pray this especially through the intercession of your mother, whom the angel Gabriel said was full of grace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been Jesus Loves You, This I Know, a podcast on God's love. I am Cecilia Ciccone, and I would love to connect with you on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at CEC squared. If you feel moved to provide some support for the podcast, I would be most grateful First, please join me in praying that everyone who listens will know how deeply he or she is loved by God. That's really number one. But also, we live in the world even though we're not of it. So if you can provide some financial support by Venmo, my account is at CEC underscore squared. And that will also be in the show notes. Thank you so, so much and may God bless you. All right, that's it for this week. Until next week, we'll be united in prayer. And remember, Jesus loves you, this I know, because 
Well, because of everything.